Thank you for joining us on Geezers of Gear today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Elation Professional. Elation's Artiste series is an award-winning line of theatrical-grade LED moving heads with names like Da Vinci, Monet, Picasso, and Van Gogh. Developed with the creative designer in mind, they encompass spot, profile, and wash luminaires and house a wealth of innovative features. For example, the 45,000 lumen strong Artiste Monet LED profile houses a SpectraColor LED engine that uses CMY color mixing plus variable RGB flags for beautiful, rich, saturated colors. Check out the complete Artiste line at elationlighting.com. Okay, so here we are, episode, what number is it, Henry? Come on, 26. 26. Geezers of Gear at Infocom. So today we have a very special and lovely guest. Uh, Do you prefer to be called Con or Quano? Either way. So it's Con Biviano, and um, Con is an Australian gentleman who I happen to have known for a very long time. I think Henry has as well. And that means that he's a geezer. He's old like us, not quite as old as us. But um, so Khan is over here at Infocom. He's very big in the LED screen business, uh, also in the lighting business. His business is called ULA Group in Australia. And so welcome, Khan. Welcome on board. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. We appreciate you doing this with us. So. The first thing I want to kind of get into with you a little bit is, um, you know, everyone we get on this show, we like to talk about how and why did you get into this business. And usually I will tell you it's one of two things. It's either to get laid or because you're a musician and there's just not really You can't really make it. You never make it. it. Or you were a DJ, right? So there yeah, you go. So it's got something to do with either girls or music or a combination of the two. And... Um, so how did you end up in this well, business? Well, it's the passion. It's a bit like this, actually, sitting behind a microphone. Yeah. It was an elective I took up in school to uh, do the Dust Till Dawn, spinning the records Wow. for a community radio. And um, it was in that era in the mid-'80s. So for the entertainment industry or the disco industry, as they called it in those days, it was the early days. So mm. it was quite exciting. Right. So um, it was the love for um, broadcasting music. And then that turned into in those days, um, running little fashion parades and discos on a Friday and a Saturday. Wow. And the audience um, on our radio show um, ended up being about 20,000 people. That's incredible. Which was insane. That's almost as big as the Geezers of Gear audience. So what city was this in? This was in Melbourne. Wow, okay. Yeah, my city I grew up in. So it was the entire city, 20,000 people, right? Australia's (laughs) a little bit bigger now. (laughs) Well, it was, but this was the 80s, right? (laughs) It was, it was. So it was. So it it basically, as you said earlier, it, it was one of those things that you come from let's call it the DJ industry, but it was radio announcing. Oh, wow. And um, I really enjoyed it. And my cousins, I was the, the baby of the, our little Italian group, and they were into live DJing the Italian relatives' parties. And in those days, we were dipping light bulbs into color. Yep. You know, the old Roscoe The Roscoe color, dye. Roscoe yeah, dyes. the Roscoe lean, was it? Or, yeah, the Roscoe oh, dye. I'm not sh- too sure, and we were making light boxes. So wow. good Italian boys, handy with making, you know, cutting the wood and so forth. And before we knew it, we are building light boxes in the garages and little color-changing things and a couple of decks. And so there we were. We were these little mobile DJs and doing this Friday and Saturday sort of, let's call it fundraisers, 
which then turned into money-making episodes, mm-hmm. it started getting serious. So we were renting in lighting rigs and it wasn't as easy as it was today. You know, today mm-hmm. obviously you've got rental companies that have got you know, thousands of fixtures. In those days, it was rental companies that just had lots of park hands. Yeah. So it was all of a sudden, here we are getting a few pieces out of Italy because obviously that's where it was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the business then started evolving into rental. Yeah. And at the same time, um, I was off doing electrical engineering at college. So I was trying to run a DJ rental business at 17 and go to college. And um, the business just grew, grew so big. So uh, by the age of 18, I'd actually already leased my first shop. And we had 30-odd DJs working on a weekend. That's incredible. Yeah, spinning records. And my main business wasn't the DJ focus. It was the rental of equipment. Yeah. Um, And then I decided to get into importing through my girlfriend's mother at the time who was working for another company called Containers Packaging, an American company. And she said, hey, let's get on the telex at the time (laughs) and uh, we'll find a few people in your business. And so she was actually quite inspirational, this lady Mm. in my life. And the background, again, of the relatives and one of my other relatives who was a TV technician. So, look, long story short, there was electronics around us. There was fun. Italian family, we used to always gather around and get together. So, that whole element was very exciting to Mm me. Yeah. And, you know, and we also had building in the family game. And then in 1989, I actually went out to Nashville to um, an LDI in Nashville. I think it was. Yeah, that was. Was it an LDI? I'm sure it was an LDI. It was. It was was Nashville. Mm -hmm. And... That's was that the f- first? No, that wasn't that the was first the one, one. I think there was only one or two LDIs in Nashville, right? I think it was one. I remember distinctly driving up and running into a snowstorm. Yeah, I remember town. that LDI. Well, it was, there was a cyclone. It was or a twister, as you guys called yeah. it, that LDI. And I came out and met the guys from Meteor. Do you remember Meteor Light? Meteor Light. Colin and Hammond. Colin, of course, yeah, yeah, Colin Hammond. Paul Twist. Yeah, there all those guys. Yeah. yeah, met those guys. Um, met Peter Johansson because it was Martin. So I had... Um, Fog machines happening. I met the Citronic guys. You know, I just remember the people in the industry. And so it was a very exciting show for me to go out there. And right. But in the background also, I had Technics turntables that I was importing in 100 pieces at a time yeah. out of Singapore for the demand of the industry that then also led to building merchandise for Technics, for DMC at the time. So my business world all of a sudden, here I am at 19 years of age, with decks coming through from Asia. We were then manufacturing slip mats, cases, sending them to the guys in the UK because it was, it was very much an underground business in those days. N- nothing yeah. like today. It was completely yeah. underground. And then it led from going um, from Nashville in 89, going to a plaza in 1990. So that was your first exposure to the European trade shows. You didn't do any of the Rimini stuff or any of that? Then Rimini you? came, okay. no. Then it all of a sudden happened. So then I got into the whole swing of things. Mm-hmm. And it was literally like a disease. I mean, it, it was it's, it's really funny, but we go through this same conversation over and over again. Like we've talked to so many people who were doing something completely different. Like, um, who was it? Oh, it was Chaz, Chaz Harrington. Yeah. Chaz Harrington was just looking for a job and one of his neighbors knew somebody who had a recording studio or worked at a recording studio and next thing you know he's working at the recording studio and dire straits happens to come in and they record an album there and they go hey uh why don't you come and be our lighting guy and he goes well i've never really done lights sure i'll do that and they're like well we already have a front of house audio guy so just come be our lighting guy 
And so it just seems like back in those days, you didn't train to do these things. It just kind of happened out of necessity. You know, nobody's importing techniques, turntables or whatever. So I'm going to do this because there's a market for them. People need them. My friends are asking me for them. I guess I better import them, right? Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the things, as you said, in, in those days, there was no courses. People didn't go no. and do a theatrical yeah. lighting course or do this course or do No internet, course. no YouTube, there no was, there was anything, nothing, right? It yeah. was telex and facts. But mm -hmm. it was one of those things that grew in our bones because it was a passion. And that's yeah. what I said to everyone is to be successful, you've got to have the passion. Right. But then you've got to learn the commercial sense because the passion can turn you, take you down the wrong path. So you've got to realize that, hey, I can make an income and have some fun and enjoy getting up every morning and do what I do. Yeah. And the industry had so much of that passion and excitement because yeah. it was new and it was exciting. Now the world has got become so commercialized, the majority of the fun has gone away. Yeah, it's all it's, financial it's now, It's financial right? and yep. everyone is trying to make a dollar out of everyone, including their friends and including everyone and everything else. And that's yeah. what has changed the element of the business. Well, you know? I think it went all the way from one side where it was all passion and no business sense, yeah. all the way to the other side Absolutely. where there's no passion and all business sense. And uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think it belongs somewhere, anything in the arts like this, it belongs somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. You, know, you need sensible business management and stuff. And we talk about this a lot here. Uh, it's probably not the same in, in uh, Australia where you are, but here, most of the large companies are owned by private equity or public. They're, yeah. they're either publicly traded or they're owned by private equity. And it really is just, you know, it's, it's just all numbers. about the dollar. Numbers right? game. Yeah, yeah, look, and Australia has changed completely. And for me, because today predominantly, you know, over 50 or 60% of my business life is manufacturing where I've got my right. factory now over in China. So, you know, America is the us is our second largest market to europe mm -hmm. so i've been dealing a lot here with the organizations and yes it's purely about a numbers game we talk points and we talk numbers and you know i listen to the conversation that you know over the years you've always been privy to here in america having you know mm -hmm. relationships with people like yourself and others mm -hmm. and traveling here constantly every year but australia is is no different to the us now because these companies have gone completely global so they're, they're buying up anyone around the world that uh, is anybody or does the figures yeah and after the first 12 months is the honeymoon period and then after that the u.s management comes in yeah and white bow they go they go they go yeah. this is a new direction and what i have seen though of late is new emerging private business people the guys that were bought out five seven ten years ago yeah they're non-competes have worn non -competes out, are worn yeah. out and coming they're, back in they're coming yep. back into yeah. business yeah and i've seen them now come along and they're going people want the personal touch back in the industry yeah um but the so industry it goes full circle it does full circle the industry's grown i mean have a look today the the touring industry look at the size of the arena shows it's unbelievable mm -hmm. unbelievable yeah, you know i've got three daughters you know the 19 to 22 so they're not exactly babies and i've gone through that whole era of the concert world and it used to be when they were teenagers, yeah, concert here and there. But now it is constantly every month they're going to an EDM party or a concert and they're purchasing tickets from 100 to 200 bucks. Jesus. Yeah, so it's not like we're going to the movies for $9 or we're going to watch this for 15 And then when you start looking at the size of the crowds, yeah. But it's big business. So much of that, though, you know, again, another topic that we've talked about a lot is the, the shift in the music business 
where you used to tour to sell records yeah. and now they tour to to make money absolutely so you know the ticket prices have gone up the size of the shows have gone up the production um, yeah i mean everything the the amount of people that are going to see shows have gone up so you know they're they're doing this to make a living now versus before they just they they would break even on a tour just to go out and and help them sell records absolutely it was they were going out to tour to show who their face was because they yeah. were collecting a, a dollar a copy of their of their um of their album, album or their yeah, song the time, now yeah. obviously it's just downloaded on on the net and yeah I d actually i didn't even know these days do they make an urn of what's played across the internet anymore yeah they make uh they make a percentage on you know any well on the legitimate yeah. uh methods yeah. of trading that music so itunes and things like that yeah, yeah. they're making a percentage but you know it's it's become a singles business though it's no longer an album business it's all about singles so instead of selling an album for twelve dollars they're selling a single for a dollar twenty nine on itunes and making whatever they're making, yeah, 30 yeah. cents or something. Evolution of our industry. It's, yeah. It's a change. And yeah. um, it's actually, it's so awesome to still be in the business. Yeah. After now when I, you know, 31 years or so, um, 31, 32 years, and to watch it do a full, complete full circle yeah. is really interesting in front yeah. of your own eyes. So I met you, I think, probably 20 years ago ish yeah at least and um i think we met through our friend steve watts at uh abstract avr yeah and um i don't really remember how exactly we met but i just remember we hit it off right from the beginning We didn't do well with it. So that makes sense, yeah. So from the abstract days, you know, we had some other brands around us which were like, you know, Griven from Italy. Right. And um, we were, like I said earlier, we were doing with Citronic with the audio mixer mm -hmm. business and then we went into Newmark and that was a huge part of our business. But from the light, in the lighting perspective, we moved into SGM in the day. Mm -hmm. um, that came out of you know, all the lovely trips to Rimini every year and right. building a relationship with them and they were a huge organisation. And then from um, SGM, we moved into high-end for a while then high end made a big change in their direction of business um and then we went into the roby uh, roby era yeah and the anolis where um i started the joint manufacturing with roby um with anolis or i say anolis because americans say anolis it's called analyst analyst so analyst and um i started analyst um, and that was their architectural it was our their architectural LED line. LED it was our range, led line yeah, yeah, yeah. Our led line and you can see as of today a lot of all the reference projects are all out of australia and right. new zealand and right. even into singapore where we did marina bay sands and a lot of other large projects and um and then recently yeah we departed ways and um now we're back with working with sgm which, which is, is unbelievable yeah it is unbelievable because you've got peter Hansen behind it the yeah man behind martin and yeah. um the man that i first met back in 89 right where you know i was helping him lower down martin 218s i think they were off a trust or something oh 218s or something yep. or pro 815s or something or other because i was just yeah. helping this guy that i didn't even know at a show with a bunch of other people yeah it was quite interesting so yeah so now we're um distributing sgm as one of the many brands i mean yeah. there's about 14 product lines under the portfolio for australia and new zealand and right. you know lighting's you know a part of it um digital is makes up 50 percent of the company um which is my own brand um viewpix infilad where we've got our factory over in shenzhen and um, where we're manufacturing a full range of screens. That's why I'm out here at Infocom, obviously. Right. We've got a large booth here distributing. So, 
the rental market is our strongest market and then the digital signage installation world. So the So Infoled your that's your factory or your yeah, part we joined, of that yeah, factory? Part, yeah, partners. Yeah, oh, we joined, I see. joined, joined with ventures or partners with Michael Hayo and the team. Okay. Yeah, so we've got a couple of parts to our company over there. One's right. our Infilead side and one's our Infilite side. Okay. So Infilead's the concentration of the lead screen manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So we have our own brand in our own right, plus we also OEM for all the major companies here. So in the touring market in the US, we've got a very large proportion of the market here, um, touring. So... A lot of the, you know, VR before was a major client and mm-hmm. then companies, you know, um, Oracle and uh, CT and NEPs and many, many other companies out here. When you walk for. around this show, that's a very crowded market now. The, uh, like uh, we were talking earlier, um, even digital projection is showing LED video screens here and Christie Digital has LED video screens and all of the projector manufacturers are now showing screens. Yeah. So... Um, a very competitive space. It you is. Know, it's a competitive space. And so the digital signage part of our business is very strong, um, yeah. which obviously you're not promoting or pushing here, and it's a different business world. It's a completely different market and different model, right? which is which is one of those good things that's evolved out of being in this business is the relationships that you create right. over time. You know, I, I see that as the next huge upside for the next evolution of LED product is in the digital signage stuff. So I'm fascinated by what like LG does, right? So, you know, the 1.6 millimeter bezel screens that, you know, kind of rotate around as digital signage, that has not happened here in a big way in the United States yet. But you're sitting there saying in, 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 it's coming. in Australia, yes. It's, it, it's coming around. everywhere. That's one of the areas that I concentrate on in our, in our business unit is that yeah. side of the, of the digital signage business and the evolution of it. And um, just of late, the types of meetings that I'm having with you know, various industries that are trying to adopt digital signage in different um, different ways, like you talk about spinning, you know, you're right. talking about different shapes, different sizes, um, different brightnesses, different methods. Um, yeah. Look, it's one of those things, people are just trying to drive their message to the consumer every day, and so they're looking at every type of angle. Yeah. And it is one of those industries where, yeah, the Koreans are very heavily in that business. Um, we're working with some of those larger firms that you talk about, building mm-hmm. product for them. And it's interesting seeing um, where they're driving that, that well, industry because we've got a real competition on there. You've got the internet where people are doing business yeah. and then you're trying to get people out. Well, but I think there's, right. I think there's two sides too where you know, the one side is you know, the cheapest price per square meter and then the other side is relationships and specking the project mm-hmm. and having project development and project design and... You know, which I think you come from that angle a lot where I see you creating projects. So, you know, a banking customer or someone comes to you and says, you know, we want to light the outside of our building. And then you're just drawing from your toolbox to figure out what to use for that building versus going out and trying to compete against the, you know, God knows how many uh, LED screen manufacturers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look. It, it is all about understanding the client, yeah. understanding the market, and then providing the product that's fit for purpose. Box moving you, is not the way to go, and you might as well get out of the business now if that's your intention. Yeah. And selling at the per square meter, that's again, it's, it's not on the cards. I just say to people, you've got to be commercial. You know that there's a market rate out there for that style of technology. 
But the fact is, is you've got to have the relationship and understand the client. You've got to know what the end goal is. Yeah. There's no point sitting there going, I can sell you this, I can sell you that, and do the old open your jacket and go yeah. and look at my watches down each side. The, right. rea- the reality is if you don't know what sort of watch collector he is, there's no yeah. point opening your jacket. It's the same but thing in our Your factory is not going after, or are you going after any white label business? Like, do you do any OEM stuff? We do, yes. Yeah, yeah we do. No, we do OEM stuff. Um, we don't pursue that business, but yeah. we do do that business. I mean, the business started off on that side. Right. So it's it's evolved in the last 10 years that we've been manufacturing. Yeah. Um, I started in the screen business 13 years ago, but 10 years ago with our own interest in the factory and evolving what we do within the business. And as I said, we do have OEM business that comes to us, of course, with some um, really good companies around the world. But ourselves in our own right, when we refer to projects and so forth, and yeah. you referred to banks and there's shopping malls and there's all sorts of people like that, obviously. You know, the Westfields of the world that you guys are aware of, they're our clients and so forth. They're always trying to push the boundary because the the world is trying, well, that world, that industry of property ownership, because that's what shopping malls are. Yeah. You know, they're big right. property owners. They, they're interested in the per square foot, what they can get. But if they don't get the people to the mall, they can't charge the rents. And so malls, as you know, are becoming theme parks as mm-hmm. such. You yeah. know, they're places for adventure and that's what's changed. And our industry, when you just look at where we've all come from, it was theatre, it was rock and roll. Yeah. Here we are in the shopping mall, want to create a visual show to get people there. Yeah. Because that's what it's become. Because, yeah. you know, again, I look at life through my children's eyes because I think it's a good way for me, you know, even though I'm only turning 50, it's not exactly old, it's still young. Yeah. But in the world of where the consuming, consumer dollar is, that 19 to 22-year-old where my children are, I've got to look at the world through their eyes as well. And I always see them buying everything online and going, Dad, it's really easy. They send you a bag in there. If you don't like the size, you just put it back in and you ship it back. And, it's, and I'm going, no, girls, I've got to try the stuff on. You can't do that. And they're yeah. going, Dad, it's not about that. Because if that shopping mall or that shop's not exciting... We don't go to it. So, so it's got to be an entertainment experience. It's an entertainment. Everything. Sports is entertainment. Everything's becoming entertainment now. And uh, it's a very good point. I mean, I never thought of it like that with malls having to compete for that sort of entertainment moment in people's lives where they're either going to sit home and, and watch YouTube videos and order on Amazon or they're going to go to the mall and have an experience, right? Or listen to you on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's the same thing. That's exactly what we're doing. So our expertise, I find straight away, you walk into a room for a meeting and you're sort of sitting there going, God, this is, this is really old, simple stuff. And I'm sitting there and they're going, this is the new creation we want to create. And I'm thinking, really? Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not saying it, of course, because you don't want to come across as a, as, a, as a smartass. But the fact is, is you're listening to them and it's like, you know, how much did we work on the dimming curve of LEDs and our architectural strips and how they would look and all this sort of stuff. Right. And, you know, I was in a meeting recently and one of the, the uh, lighting designers, you know, we don't work with LED as yet because we can't dim it really well. And I'm like, man, really? <laughs> like, where are you coming from? And you could see that he's experienced with the domestic market type electrical person versus people from our background was the difference to his experience and how he saw it. So... Our industry, like I said, is doing a full curve because at the end of the day, what we learn about how to do in a theatre show and a rock and roll show is actually coming out now. But We've got to do it in a commercial sense in these different applications because when you talk about um, competing, you know, competing from the internet and YouTube, right. it's the same experience 
in restaurants and things. So when you go to these malls, they've got these amazing restaurant areas now, like Westfield's just opened new ones in Australia. And the outside of the building is like going down these themed streets for your restaurants. And so it's very exciting. The movie theater has completely changed with his interaction. And then inside there's a world of large screens. There's still intelligent lighting to do shows. And so it's really changing. So, you know, one thing that I noticed at this show, you know, we're, we're uh, guests on a booth, this booth over here, and they have an LED dance floor that's interactive. So yep. it creates splashes and puddles when you walk on it. And I noticed that the interaction with that or the personal, the, the interactive stuff is really, you know, they're, they're not paying attention to the, the two nine walls that are up. They're jumping all around and watching that. So I'm wondering if the next evolution of that in the shopping space is to have even a more immersive interactive thing now big data is a different thing where you know obviously you can walk by a screen near field and all of that other stuff and it starts to serve you ads and starts to serve you those type of things but i would have to imagine at some point because a lot of malls have gone out of business in the united states they you either adapt or you die right so absolutely so you know one mall uh, particular we're in orlando so one mall is hanging on by a thread the other mall kind of cratered and then you know millennium mall is that interactive space with the led screens and it's more of a restaurant environment that's doing quite well but i would imagine full-on interaction is the next phase of that of getting people like what marcel says off of the couch off of youtube and out of amazon and back into the spaces again so are you experimenting heavily with with that yeah we we've actually on our booth here you'll see our interactive floor so we've been in that interactive floor space now for about four years okay we work on a pressure sensor system and recently we've had a couple of launches we actually did the samsung new flip phone launch and so out of new york we had the screen it was all on the floor and then we had the curve one so it interacts um and that was you know the good use of that product but we find the use of that interactive floor through hospitals. So at the moment, we've got children hospitals where they're trying to create beautiful environments where young children are coming into. And we've got that interactive floor working really heavily in that space to immerse them, which is different to going to a mall, but it's being used in that right. particular way because it's terrible that you know these young children are going to hospitals for whatever reasons, and they're using it that way. In the malls, we've got them going in and again, it's collecting that analytic data as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, media companies are, are quite, you know, um, smart in how they, they do these things. So, yes, they're collecting data of the type of people that are on there. They're looking at, you know, sure. the way they interact. We've got the ability to customize whatever the content is um, on the floor. Yeah. And it, it is becoming really interesting. And now we've got a, a client who, who invested heavily in the floor we're developing that now into the wall system. The same thing, so you're, you're touching things on the wall and so forth and so on. Mm. And again, they're gonna collect analytic data of what they're touching and what they're doing and how they're interacting. While recording the IP address of your cell phone there, oh, so where you go someplace else and you, that's, you're served that Absolutely. same I'll tell you what though, scan your, credit, as a scan your credit card yeah, yeah. at the same time. Well, it's true. <laughs> no, but as, uh, while Amazon is doing all kinds of experimenting yeah. with things like that where you just pick up all your goods when you're in Whole Foods over here yep. and then walk out of the store. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. There's no checking out. There's no waving. There's no nothing. You don't even have to pull your phone out of your pocket. Yeah. You just walk out of the store and it bills you for it yeah, or whatever. I'm a big fan of Whole Foods, actually. They are, they are at a forefront of um, the supermarket business. And I yeah. know a lot of the leading supermarkets around the world look at that. And Well, now especially because, you know, with Amazon behind them, um, 
you know, it's a whole different ball game now. Well, well Amazon know. have got involved in the networks through Australia and, and New Zealand in the digital billboard business now. So, oh, really? Ap- yeah, Amazon's is been up um, looking at those networks and so forth. And but all of them have Google's been out, Amazon's been out. I mean, yeah. this is, I'm, I'm giving you secondhand information that's come through from people we work with. And again, it's the same thing. It's the analytics that they're collecting, promoting the brands that they promote. You know, it. It's one of those things that we talked about earlier in our industry that you know the venture capitalists or whatever you want to refer to are behind bringing the businesses together and, and buying them all out. And it's the same thing happening in the Amazon, Google world and all these type of things. So you know, God knows what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Well, this is, this is the thing. Like Kids today scare the shit out of me. And, and the reason is because, no, as a businessman, we're so disconnected from kids and I'm talking anyone from, you know, 15, 16 years old and under, even 18 years old and under. And the reason is like, you know, my son is an example, 15 years old, has a television in his room. He's got Xfinity cable with God knows how many channels, a thousand, five hundred channels. I have no idea what it is, but a lot of channels, any movie, any anything he wants to watch, all the sports channels and everything. He's got Netflix, um, and he spends most of his time on his phone, which is, you know, the yep. screen in front of him is 50 inches. The screen in his hands is whatever it is, 4.8 inches yeah. or whatever. Yep. Yep. And he's spending most of his time either on Snapchat or on YouTube, watching YouTube videos on his phone. And so not only has mobile become important, but I mean, imagine if you're in the cable business or, or the, you know, direct TV or even Netflix. I mean, I think that is changing so, so rapidly. And Netflix, you know, is creating content as fast as they can and building new studios and doing all these great things. But the problem is it's the old people that are watching those right now. So what happens when we're gone? You know, th- these kids aren't watching Netflix. They're, they're doing other things. Well, it just keeps immersing. You know, it's like what's yeah. happened in our world where you look at where we've gone from dipping the light bulb in the old Roscoe paint mm-hmm. to when you just mentioned studios. And um, we talk about, you know, my company in Australia and New Zealand. You know, we recently took on the Astera agency. Yeah. And Astera is an amazing product because it's about battery powered and battery management of color changing or lighting as general because it's not just about color. Their white products are amazing because they're high CRI, high color temperature products. And by default, the film industry is, is 50% of the turnover. And as I was saying to you guys before we got on air was that this is this new brand that we've taken on and before we've got our first shipment, we've pre-sold hundreds and hundreds of these tubes at $1,000 a piece. And I'm just like, I've never seen this in all my life. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps coming. And a lot of the clients that I've just been investigating have been these small studios, so it all merges in together, who are building content yeah, that's going out on YouTube or when you talked about Disney, now, Disney has started buying up, um, I think it was Fox in Australia that they just they recently did. They brought. They completed the Fox acquisition. Fox acquisition. acquisition. Yeah. The gaffers were just recently with my guys at a, at a show here in, in LA just talking about business. And they're purchasing more of this product to create more content because Disney needs to create content to get onto their channels to start competing because you've got more and more 
viewers on iPhones and mobile devices wanting more and more content because they're just sucking in content everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this to me was just this whole changing world. All of a sudden, we're selling all this product. I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, we would sell <laughs> some, but this is like we're six months. We've sold out six months worth of stock. That's crazy. Which is crazy. It's all battery powered. You know, it's it's all this type of product but it's going to studios who are independent as well as the majors creating content. So we're mm -hmm. in a world where it's all about video. Mm -hmm. And then I sit here as a business person on the other side going, when is there time to watch these things? Yeah. And it's only in the plane when I'm locked inside, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah coming true, right? here and rest around the rest of the world and I'm watching a few movies. But even some of the movies now on, on there, it's very inconsistent. There's yeah. there's definitely months, and I'm flying every week. There's definitely months where you're just going, God, there's nothing really to watch. And I'm thinking, it's probably just my taste. So I ask someone else, and they go, no, it's really boring. But hey, have you watched this series on YouTube or Netflix? So people are just flicking. Uh, it's like we used to normally flick the channels in the old days, and we had six channels or four channels or two when you were flicking. Now they're flicking from, you know... Um, uh, what, different mediums different yeah. mediums of platforms the platforms and wherever it is and if you're if you've got a, a good series or something good people will find out about you so quickly these days through social media that you can get an audience in seconds versus in, in our day to get an audience for anything it was put it in the yellow pages advertise it in a newspaper no, absolutely and well look at what youtube you know. has done with um the Karate Kid series. Have you followed Cobra no, Kai no, yet? No. So YouTube produced now Cobra Kai. So now uh, Johnny, who was the bad guy in the thing, is now actually the good guy, and Danny's the bad guy. Season two, it's got a massive, massive following. But it's like you say, you're just kind of flicking through the channels and going through that. And Disney, you know, they they announced the other day, and it's kind of interesting which which you talk about about broad market appeal. So what you're saying is, hey, I can go through months where there's not a movie out, but everything has become so niche. So as an example, you know, we just had the Avengers Endgame. That just launched, right? So now the, the end of the MC universe, we're at, we're at the end of this. We got Spider-Man and uh, the current X-Men that's out. But now Disney comes out that owns all of that. And on their streaming service, they announced the Loki series. So now that entire character now is going to be so if you're a Loki fan and if you, if you like yeah. Thor, that's that's kind of where you're going. And it's, it's right. So, you know, it's kind of funny. The, the movie theaters, they're having to adapt with big fat leather chairs and serving food and everything else. Or they're going to go out of business. But this week, for the first time, I watched a release on Netflix on a movie that they did. It was uh, I Am Mother. It was that whole dark sci-fi thing rather than going to the movies. Right. So it was yeah. kind of interesting was, mm. is what's going on with uh with that technology, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's all changing. It really is. And, you know, like I said, as a business guy, I think from a standpoint of marketing, advertising, even products that we're trying to sell to kids, we're completely disconnected. And, you know, every time my son rolls my eyes, uh, rolls his eyes at me, I know how disconnected we are. He's like, Dad, you just don't get it. You know, or I say something that I think is pretty cutting edge. You know, I think like, you know, if I say, oh, that thing is sick, he just looks at me and he goes, Dad, really? <laughs> you know, that, that, sick. That word's gone. Yeah, that word's That's gone. Funny. So what is it? It isn't cool. It's not badass. It's not sick. What is it? You know, I don't get it anymore. I can't keep up. But no, I mean, you know, I, I listen a lot to a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's 
cutting edge, bleeding edge of um, social media. Uh, you know, he's got a huge digital media empire and one of the smartest guys out there. But he works so hard. He's, I think, in his 40s now. And he works so hard just to stay on top of all these new apps that are coming out. And he's a, he's a venture capitalist investor as well. So, you know, he's putting small investments into almost every one of these new platforms that pops out. And so he knows a lot more about them. He's a little earlier stage than most of us. But, you know, I don't get Snapchat at all. So as a business owner, I have no idea how to utilize that platform to help promote my business i i can't figure it out i mean instagram yeah no problem facebook sure but god I yeah don't get you, your marketing so message so. disappears as come, soon as you read on, it right yeah. so that's got yeah. wild now we're using snapchat i use snapchat in my life we use all those you, <laughs> you know, do yeah, absolutely yeah it's one of those things my you know my girls at that age and going through that whole um you know growing up stage yeah. of their, their life it's, it's been part of my life but so. when you say you use it are you using it just to stay up on what they're doing no no not at all no you actually using post the things business. on snapchat yeah, yeah absolutely so how i can't figure it I out i can't so yeah. i mean i know how to do it but i just i don't get it like you put it up and it's gone in 24 it, hours why would i do that because it's an audience again it's another type of audience and what yeah. you find just you know i just came over from vegas just and i was just listening to people yeah i spent a lot of time listening because as i said earlier it's you've got to look through business through their eyes not just through our eyes we're the wise people that understand the commercial reality of it all and we can make sure that the books balance but it's targeting that audience all the time and you've got to make sure that you can't be doing the old school going in my day in my yeah. day well yeah. forget that as soon as you say in my day and i did that to my kids yeah they were gone in seconds <laughs> there was there was no point even having a conversation yeah, they don't want to hear about it, it. Hear about it no. because it's it's not about what happened in your day yeah so you know i've just learned there's a different audience and, and around me and was all these people all they were talking about was snapchat and i was like um i thought snapchat was dead yeah you know just you know but it wasn't dead and it was very clear that it wasn't dying because i thought it really was on its way out because it's hard to gauge the results mm -hmm. that's the one thing right. it's hard to gauge the results but no there's a whole network out there just looking for those things on snap that market is looking for silly things on snap it's quite interesting what people are looking for on snap and they're looking and it's one of those things in your business you literally got to try and make skits but as a business you want to stay corporate looking because here you are going i'm selling products that are, end up in the millions of dollars for people right so how do i present this product yeah. that's worth millions of dollars and make it look like a bunch of clowns are using it so you've got to be really smart on how you do it and what i've found is now with my group of of people in my marketing and graphics department is that it's good to have different age groups working in there from different backgrounds and the important thing is is getting them all to work together and you have to make sure that your team these days understand it's not all about me 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 you're a collective group you've got to listen to each other yeah and you've got to go out and um, present the company in that way and that's really important and even a few other meetings with some really top design firms that i've recently gone to see and you saw the senior partners down to the juniors and they all sat around the table, you know, a dozen of them, and they collectively were making decisions on, on huge multi-million dollar projects and the partners, you know, who mm -hmm. were in their 60s were listening to the juniors in their mid-20s. Yeah. And the yeah. idea from the mid-20s was the, the idea that got up for a project that was worth a few hundred million dollars. Yeah. And that, to me, 
was where the business is going to today because I can honestly say 10 years ago, the world didn't respect a lot of the young youth coming through. Yeah, They were like, I mean, what do they know? All they're doing is, is partying, drinking, doing this. And I'm thinking, um, I think in our era, people were partying and drinking. Of who course were now we were. Top things, but yeah, of all of a sudden, you're looking down at these people. Yeah. Why right. are you looking? You know why you're looking down at? Because the one thing that they are doing is oversharing. The one thing that's going on with social media is they're not scared to post themselves partying, having a good time. But people are quick to judge because they see that person out partying and having a good time, and he is not or she is not working hard. Yeah. Well, in our era, there was nothing to post. Yeah. But if we, if we talked about the stories of the things that we saw in our of industry, course. I don't mm-hmm. think half of those people would have been trusted yeah. by anybody to do well, what the, they did. The other challenge we're having with social media, I think, in this country, and I don't want to get into a long political no. discussion, but I'm sure the same thing's happening in, in Australia, and I have no idea what your uh, political, you know, which direction you lean or anything, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, but you know, with most of the social media platforms being based out of Silicon Valley, they're all quite liberal. And so, you know, there's a little bit of filtering on one side and promoting on the other side. And so there's sort of a liberal wave coming through on social media. And, you know, to me, I like to be really, really open when it comes to social media. I don't, I don't want to block out anyone. So I don't want to take a hard stance on the left or the right either side i want to hear both sides and i want to talk to both people and um you know i think social media sometimes tends to quash a lot of that and and kind of you know block people from getting opinions across or or people just refuse to listen to people and all the learning happens in the middle you know for me politically on social media in business all the learning happens when you open your mind like you said when young people are coming in and people say you can't listen to them all they do is drink and party um you know why i mean i want to listen to them i want to just like i'm saying you know the kids scare me it's they don't scare me because they're wrong they scare me because whatever they're doing is what's going to be the future, whether we like it or not. You know, it's just like, I mean, if you go back 50 years, it was bad that Elvis wiggled his hips, you know, yeah. and, and people just said, that's bad, turn that off right now. Well, you know, the same thing's happening in social media. Kids shouldn't be spending so much time on, on Snapchat. They're going to, and it's going to continue, and this whole social sharing thing is going to continue. So you have to embrace it and figure out how to work with it, not try and squash it, obviously. Absolutely. So. No, we just got to get a balance. I mean, that's what life's all about. It really yeah. is. It's just Absolutely. all about balance. So yeah. the, the reality is, is when we look at the hours that we do ourselves on social media or on our devices, mm-hmm. it's quite incredible because the odd time, for whatever reason, I end up in that page and it looks and it says how long you've been on things and just like, yeah. oh, actually, I'm not saying anything to my kids anymore. Yeah. So I've just seen my own stats. And I've gone, wow, you know, yeah. there's that much time spent. And of course, as business people, we tend to be in emails more than anything else. Right. But the amount of time you spend on the devices is huge. And, and I'm absolutely positive it's probably not great for our well-being because yeah. we are, we're, we're on this little device and we're just looking at the world that way. And a lot of times, you know, you're seeing the world as the way someone wants you to portray it because that's what's getting you know, yeah, that's the images coming, the images off, it. coming yeah. off it. And that's what it's about. I mean, that's why they always say, you know, what Facebook is about and all those sorts of things. At the end of the day, it's how it's fake book for a lot of people, yeah. you know, because it's the impression you want to set. But also it's the powerful tool. So, look, 
It's dangerous at trade shows, I'll tell you that, because I've noticed a phenomenon here where, you know, people are running into me with the top of their head left and right because they're walking around with their face down in their phone while they're walking through the aisles of the trade show. And, you know, it's it's almost as bad as the drivers on the road over here. Like, I don't know if you guys have distracted driving laws in Australia. Absolutely. Canada, Canada's got very aggressive laws when it comes to distracted driving, whether you're putting on your makeup or eating a sandwich or typing on your phone, period, you're going to get, I think it's a $600 fine or something. Yeah, Australia's not far behind. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Actually, on your mobile phone, it's, you know, we have 12, we, we get 12 points over a two-year okay. period, you know, could be similar here or Canada. Three points instantly gone. If you get yeah. caught just holding your phone. Yeah. Just holding your Same phone. Same in Canada. Yeah. Then a fine, you know, it's not quite $600, but... It's up there. So, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things, you know, yeah. it's part of our life. Well, but I mean, I know over here, like you're driving and you're behind someone and they're swerving and, y- you know, you're going to pull up beside them and look in and they're driving with their knees and typing with both hands on the yeah. phone, you know. So, I, you know, I mean, we're all guilty. Yeah, but today it's mobile phones. In the old days, it used to be when people used to have drinks in their hands. I mean, yeah. I remember growing up in the 70s and 80s yeah. and we called it ro- roadies. Yeah. So you had a roadie. We called it road pop. Yeah, right. Yeah. So people had a little little beer in their hands yeah. and they've got a couple in the car and they're driving home and that's what they were doing. And that was perfectly okay. Yeah, and the bit yeah. of swerve was oh, he's had a few on the way home. Yeah. Now, exactly what you said, you pull up at the lights, you look next to the person and you see they've got the phone on their lap and they're looking down and that's what they're doing. Is yeah. They don't on move the phone. when the light turns it, green. This is that's what it's funny. about. Yeah. So, look, as we said earlier, that's the world that we live in and, and the reflection it's had on our industry is enormous because... Yeah. We're delivering everything the same particular way. We're controlling our products through apps. We're sending our information to people and getting the message to buy our products through there. Yeah. Um, they're controlling lighting systems. You know, our technology is immersed. So it's actually quite interesting because we talk about these subjects of, you know, what's going on. But it's interacted in our world a yeah. hell of a lot. And, and, you know, all the industries of the world, I mean, we're not unique. Well, and you and I are similar in that we do a lot of different things from a business standpoint. So I know for you, you couldn't exist without your mobile phone right now. I certainly can't. I mean, I'm the only way I can be out of town at a trade show like this doing a podcast is by having mobile devices that allow me to stay connected to what's going on in, in my world, right? And I'm sure you're the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I, think, I think we all are the same. You know, so I don't spend a huge amount of time on the phone, you know, texting or or updating my family or whatever on facebook but i'm updating business things on facebook or i'm talking to clients on facebook or whatever it is so um back to business a little bit so today how many lines are you distributing uh approximately the business is doing i just looked the other day we're about at 14 14 different um product brands as such you talk about product skews well i don't even know that's so in the thou- tens of thousands so one of the things that um I wanted to ask you about, you know, you're, you know, obviously you're private labeling or you're manufacturing your own product, but then you have a distributed line also. And I'm wondering if, you know, so you have, I guess, Australia and New Zealand that comprise your, a big area. I know you're selling into the United States, but it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, from a gear source perspective, when we sell gear over to Australia, there is a relationship-based business that's still there. It's not always all about the numbers, but it seems to be quite robust i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the australian and the the new zealand market they're sort of tied together there seems to be 
a lot of profitable companies over there that are in our industry, sound and lighting and rental rental houses and everything else, and a lot of people that are coming into it, which is, it's kind of a bit odd when you, when you see that because you're thinking, okay, this is a freaking remote island. It's a large one, but you know, it's it's out on the end of the world. But it it just seems to be it seems to operate a little bit differently economically than what I would think the United States operates like or what Europe operates like. Like yeah, look. It really doesn't. I'm, you know, I don't want to. Well, that's okay. You, know, you burst my bubble. That's okay. Bubble. You can tell the, me I'm full of it. The, it's okay. I was going to use the same expression, but look, Australia and New Zealand combined, you've got about thirty million people. Okay. It's a lot of you know. There's a lot of tourism that comes in and out of the country and, and runs a lot of events, and you know, obviously from a, a land mass, you know, it's huge. It's huge. As you imagine. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's like the size of the states, so it's a big place. You know, but the, the center of Australia is all desert, and there's not. There's nothing going on, really. At the end of the day, it's around the perimeters of Australia. And we've got an aging population. So when you actually look at the aging population, you look at what we're about, our resident market is actually quite small. But Australia attracts lots of filmmaking. So mm-hmm. with our exchange rate, and you know, a, a dollar buys you a dollar thirty Australian, it gets you a lot in the film industry. So when you talk about gear source, your business and products that you sell, because obviously we sell the product, we see your, the product mm-hmm. coming in that you're reselling and you know, we're obviously out there with our team selling new product and so forth. And a lot of the business is coming from filmmaking industry across New Zealand and Australia. So they're coming in at the moment, there's some huge ones going on. So that generates a lot of business, mm-hmm. which is great. We've got the major rental companies um, of the world of the Americans are out in Australia as well so they're doing their business on the, the global touring market mm-hmm. and, and that product can come in from all sorts of angles because you don't really control it it's not a buying local policy that goes on there they just move product around and it stops at times depending on the tour but we have a lot of new emerging small operators who are just you know I call them mums and dads these days that, that so yeah. size of business two or four people in their business and they get a lot of corporate gigs. So Australia does a lot of corporate gigs, which is great. So a lot of these companies are doing launches and, and doing events you know, week after week. So that does really well. Our corporate, um, other corporate market, which is more commercialized in the hotel business, mm-hmm. that is quite big as well. So you can go into most of the hotels in Australia and you'll see there's an in-house company who have got you know full table lighting settings, projection, video, and so forth. And there's a lot of those in Australia. So from a, a business landscape, there's a lot of opportunity that goes on in Australia and New Zealand. But at the same time, it's extremely competitive. Most of the rental companies and everyone you talk to, they're making what you call a wage. The, the companies aren't profitable at the end of the year in such a way where we've got so much for capital expenditure so much we've taken for salaries and then at the end we've got this big profit sitting there no it's not it's not about that the smaller the smaller operators you know they tend to work their equipment a bit harder they're looking for buying used equipment because yeah. the, the ROI um, is obviously very very important for people but the business landscape overall in Australia is as I said a lot of launches the corporate side and then the festival market our festival market is huge what's coming out of you know, the Netherlands, you know, the, the Dutch, mm-hmm. you know, festivals, the Tomorrowland-style product, uh, products, um, projects and, and productions, I mean, in the EDM world, that is really big. Our summer festival market is huge, and that generates quite a lot of business in itself. But you're telling me also that there's a lot of new entrants into the market. So what you're saying is 20-something-year-olds, just like kind of we all, like we all started, 
are coming in as basically garage operators, right, or taking small warehouse spaces, picking off one or two clients, and then working those clients as strong as they can to expand their business themselves. Is that correct? Yeah, the majority of them have been working for major rental companies or major production companies and then have gone off and taken started one or two something. clients. Yeah, yeah. taken one or two clients yeah. and then taken another one or two clients and that's how they've gone off and developed their business. Yeah. And, and business has grown. Like I said, there's a lot more corporate functions and corporate things because the thing today is it's all about the networking, which was the famous American term of used course, over the yeah. years. You know, it's networking, network. It goes back to the pyramid selling days of Amway and all those sorts of things, and <laughs> right. which now is, you know, banned in so many countries and you're not allowed to do it and so forth. But ultimately, it's another new form of those things which is going on. So it's networking events. Well, because you can either have a product and then go out and find customers for your product or you can have customers and find product for your customers exactly, exactly. and i think that's what you've done really well is is that you have a very large customer list that you just keep finding great products to fill their needs we listen to them you listen to we them listen yeah. to them the thing is is business is we're not a dictatorship and the dictatorship thing will never work and i say that all the right. time and, and i watched that over the years in our business where people would you know we talked earlier is where these manufacturers of certain products you know decide that they think they're dictators and the world are only going to um, use their product and respond to what they do but the world's not about that well and that's why it's so circular that business you know it's like you know one day martin is the king the next day it's high end the next day it's verilite the next day it's robe the next day it's somebody else and it's because i think you know, when you're rising to the top in any business, you're very hungry and passionate. When you're at the top, you're trying to protect what's yours and, and block others out. And you're there for a totally different reason at that point. And I saw it happen with Martin. You know, I, I rode a wave with Martin and then it just, you know, especially when Peter was gone, I guess the passion seemed to go out of it and it was just another well, big brand business, you know? Yeah, exactly right. And that refers to these other small operators that we just talked about with yeah. the new business. It's the same thing as they were working for companies that got so big and got so greedy yeah. that the clients themselves were saying, hey, if you go off and you get this gear and this gear, yeah. we will automatically give you the contract. And this is what we would see happen all the time because these guys then would come to you to want to buy gear and you're going, hold on, you're working for such and such. Right. We sell to you. Yeah. You know, we're caught in a catch-22. Yeah. But you see today is, is this is what's going on, and that's why I think for gear source, um, business in Australia and New Zealand is quite strong and can be stronger because these people then look at other outlets to purchase equipment from as of well. Of course, That's yeah. the other thing is sure. because yeah. there's politics that goes on between local suppliers, buying offshore. You know, it, it's just a different way of doing business. But as we're saying, as you were just saying now, Marcel, in relation to people getting to the top, the other thing that happens is the demand on you becomes greater and you end up caught in your business, not working on your business. That's true. And that's the thing that happens is that yeah, you get to that true. point and everybody is at you. You want to serve everybody. The reality is there's only one of you. Yeah. The clock keeps ticking. Then yes. people go, oh my God, he's rude. He didn't respond. Yeah. He didn't do that. Actually, he's not rude. He's not those things. He physically doesn't have yeah. the, the hours yeah. anymore. Yeah. And what do you do? And that's where in our industry, we're very different to all the other industries where, you know, if you're in the law firm or in the accounting business, you've got tens of thousands of students going through universities around the world sure. that you can hand pick or we pick from. In our industry, where do we go from? 
well, where do we go to to find these people with the education and experience that we want? Yeah. Really difficult to get. So you can't, you know, handball across to people. And so we have an industry that basically we're seeing people just jump from one to the next to the next and the business follows them. That's yeah. the industry thing. If you if you actually look at the circle of our industry, yeah. you can actually see where the business follows. And then when you see, oh, that guy's gone, and then he pops up here, you watch the whole transition. Yep. So He brings his team with him. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a very, very small business on a global scale today, and that's what our industry yeah. has become. When, when we started in the 80s, or well, the 90s, let's call it in the middle of the 90s, it was definitely about you come across to an LDI or a plaza, and when you were talking to Marcel, he's telling you about what's just happening in the US. When I was you know, meeting the guys from the UK, now the UK, UK guys telling me about the stuff that he was doing in New Zealand, Malaysia, Philippines, and somewhere else, and everyone's talking about different things. So, you know, that's another question that I had. So, we, you know, as Americans, we identify the Pacific Rim, and we kind of roll up Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, all of those places. But when you, when you look at... Uh, I guess Australia as an economy, how far is that entertainment reach? So are you going up into China? Are you doing stuff in Jakarta? Obviously, you know, Malaysia, we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about Macau and things like that. You know, because you obviously have Chinese competition and you have, you have a large contingent of Asians that are also to some degree competing with that, right? But are they, are you managing those relationships or, or is, I, I, I see Australia in many ways and speaking completely from ignorance as very westernized, customer service oriented and just you know a, a good economy a good strong economy where you can great, get great service out of that so how far is the, the for lack reach, of a better term the economic reach the of reach. australia look it's it's the reach is as 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 great as your relationship so we're doing large projects in the philippines at the moment we did the projects up in singapore we do projects in hong kong they're all relationship based out of Generally, Australia? Out of Australia. Yeah, okay. And the relationship is with other Westerners that are inside those Asian countries. You know, Dubai, we've got things run, rolling out again. Americans living in Dubai, English living in Hong Kong. We've got Americans in the Philippines. What you find is it's the Westernized guys who are going over, seeing an opportunity and then running with it and then going out to the world. And the fortunate thing is because being in the business for 30 years, we've created a network and then mm -hmm. having the manufacturing, we're, we're exporting to over 81 countries. So I've got a network in over 80 countries out there. And that's one side of my business with my manufacturing, but the local side for ULA in Australia and New Zealand, I can obviously use those relationships for the ULA side of things, because as a company, not only just distribution, we offer project management. So we work a lot with our system integrators right. to help them manage large scale projects. And again, and it's that network, it, you know, the system integrators now again, they've become part of global networks as well these days, because they've all been gobbled it's up. Amazing, so everyone's yeah. getting gobbled up and they're part of this group or that group and they all stem out of America or out of Europe and the Europeans are buying the Americans and they're in Asia. And before we know it, they're knocking on our doorstep because we've got a, a great, uh, you know, book of references for our projects and what we do. And, and before we know it, we're in the Philippines rolling out, you know, 3,000 square meters of lead screens on shopping malls with a bunch of American guys out of New York and the Aussie guys are there. And the great thing about the Australian guys are they love to travel. They love to do the hours. And I think it's one of those things that you come from a 25 million population 
little Australia, they bat a lot greater. You know, we, we bat over our weight and mm-hmm. they want to go out to the world and want to be part of the global network. Yeah. And that that's why they're awesome. Fish in a bigger pond. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my daughter worked on the Commonwealth Games, which, you know, the Canadians will know. The Americans don't so know so much. But, you know, you go from the Olympics, it's the Commonwealth Games. It's the next thing. Yeah. My daughter was working on there looking after the village um, for all the athletes. And, and basically, the crew that she was working with, who'd worked on a lot of Olympics and everything else, 50% of the crew are Aussies that have been traveling around yeah. running all these things. Yeah. So we're, we're sort of those sort of people that just like to go out there and do it wherever it's got to be done and work to the death. So, Con, before we finish up here, um, you know, we like to talk a lot about, you know, the topic that I'll call giving back. And so some of the people who we've had on the show talk about um, actually educating or teaching young kids and mentoring them into the business. Um, you know, we had one gentleman who runs a company who has job fairs all over the country where they bring in young kids who can't figure out what they want to do with their life. And they teach them a little bit about what it's like to work on a show or whatever. And they, they bring them in at a very low level into the company with, you know, a career in the future. Um, some just give to charity and, and donate product or whatever to different charities. Do you get involved at all? I know it's kind of setting you up for failure no, on this one. No, no, not at all. No, look, my involvement's been a little bit different rather than mentoring people into our industry. I've been recently involved on one of the AFL, which is the Australian footy. Um, AFL is our... Oh, you're getting American football over there. Not American. Oh. No, it's, it's, it's Australian, Australian <laughs> oh, football, oh, mate. that's what AFL. it is. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> AFL. And so I've been mentoring actually football players, uh, assisting those guys um, in that world. But in terms of charity, we do quite a bit for um, many of the cancer and young children of the world because especially um, suicide with um, young Oof. people, that's one of the things that um, touches me quite close to the heart. And... Um, We've been involved in some of these world's greatest breakfasts where you know people have to um, um, make all sorts of different things for breakfast and donations come through and so forth like that. We've sponsored a bunch of TV charity shows, mm-hmm. um, loaned out a lot of gear and stuff to, to do things like that, mentored young people just generally in life and so forth. So I've always had that thing that, you know, you can't always take, you've got to give back. So of course, yeah. That, that's how it's always been part of my life for um, for a good 20 years, I'd say. That's being great. Involved that's with great. Yeah, but, but do you do anything at all to bring people into your company that are young? Um, not directly to educate them on the business, but yeah. yes, young people who have come through, some of the people that have been through, um, who have tried to commit suicide. I've had um, other young people in the industry that have been involved in drugs and so forth and other things, and we've had them come through the business to oh, try and help cool. them with mentor, you know, mentoring them for life skills. Yeah. It's been about that. So not mentoring to come into the business, but just giving them life skills yeah. and letting them know that they've got a worth and value. Yeah. Build the foundation, that's really cool. basically. That's well, it's very cool. important. You know, yeah. to me, the young people, it's, you know... I'll be They're re- our I'll future. Well, I'll be retired and <laughs> exactly. I'll be looking up to them. Yeah, going, exactly. Well, that's our, f- our future pollies or politicians. Are the do any pollies. of your daughters have any interest in coming into the business? They actually do, yeah. A few <laughs> oh, years ago cool. it was no, but uh, I can certainly see it. Tell me. They like, ever since the immersing of the digital side of technology, especially right. content, content management and so forth, I realized that they started learning a bit of that at school. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, now they're actually quite interested. You know, that's but, really but cool. But the days of... Um, doing nightclub fit outs and those type of things or pushing flight cases on backs of stages they had no interest in that yeah neither do i anymore so yeah, none of us go. do do you yeah no, <laughs> no, no it certainly yeah. changed yeah well thank you con i Thanks. appreciate 
I appreciate you coming on very much and taking the time and uh yeah no, fun. Thanks, thanks thank to both you. of you this was very exciting yeah, cool. thank you very we gotta much. have Con on more often what a Take DJ care. voice huh? yeah, <laughs> there you yeah. Go. he makes thank us sound you. bad though thanks guys Sweet, sweet child.